And I'd like to lead us in a moment of prayer before we read God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we've gathered together as brothers and sisters, perhaps even with some who are wondering about this this Christian faith. Maybe even some who have been raised in the church and still wonder, how how does this all work? May Your Word enlighten us today. Help us to understand the very purpose that You have for us as members of the family of God, Your family. And help us to care for one another in light of who we are. We're delighted, Lord, this morning to reflect upon Your provision for decades of ministry here through this church and for the future as well. We thank you, Lord, for Pastor Jim and Stephanie, and we thank you, Father, for their family and how you have arranged in their hearts and the heart of this church to be drawn together for this next season of all of their lives. We pray, God, that you would answer this prayer that has been spoken uh, by a few, at least, for the sale and the purchase of a house, Uh, the nest, the place from which we live and work in the context of a community. Would you provide, Lord, in a way that would so so reveal your redemptive love even to this family in this way. And for the needs of the congregation, we commit them to you, Lord. You know them. You know the ones that each of us would know and how we should interact with each other. May this church prove to be a place where the love of Christ is demonstrated in daily and and uh, and maybe even more often that conversations that bring people to the place of understanding the life of Jesus in a personal way. So guide this church, bless this people, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in the 12th chapter, um, an amazing really picture, gives us an amazing picture of who we are in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, beginning with verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, but as it is God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, 
nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may be the same care that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I, uh, I wonder what you think of when you think of the church. Uh, maybe a word that might come to your mind. I suspect none of you will pick the word that I've picked, so I'll just tell it and not have you try to guess what it is. But I think of the word spectacular when I think of the word to descri- a word to describe the church. It's not because the building is great or the music is wonderful or the programs are sensational. It's, it's the church. It's the called out body of Christ in the local assembly that I think is spectacular. The church that has sufferings and difficulties and disappointments, all of those things taking place, decisions that have to be conducted, yet it is spectacular. It's the church that was washed by the blood of Christ. It it is the church that is moving towards Ephesians 5 to be the church without wrinkles or spots. Can you imagine? Spectacular. It's the glorious church, the Bible says. It shines as a light to the world, Paul writes in Philippians 2. Spectacular. It is committed, listen, it is committed to being a church that is holy, to allowing the very beauty of Christ, as the songwriter put it, to be seen in her. Spectacular. It, its committees may not function as well as we'd like, but it's glorious. The pastor, well, soon to be pastor, may not be, but probably is the best preacher in town. We'll see, right? But if he's not, still spectacular. It, it may be a church with fewer conversions than it would like, But God's Word, I still think, calls it spectacular. Now, how does this happen? Why would we say, why would you say such a thing? You must be asking that. Well, I just want you to know that's how God designed it. He created it to be that. Now, He did that through this ministry of reconciliation. That's how it comes about. I mean, God in His infinite power, sending His Son to the cross, dying for your sins and mine, so that we might be reconciled or made right with God. God so that we might remember even as Paul put it in Colossians chapter 1 you once were alienated and hostile in mind he says he has now reconciled you by his in his body by his death reconciled that's how it all begins but but now now that's the beginning that's how we're assembled that's how new people come into this fellowship through the work of the cross and yet I would say this 
Paul recognizes a need for the church to demonstrate who it is, and that's the context of a great section of this letter, isn't it? Beginning with chapter 12 and going on through chapter 14. We're just going to look at a piece of it today. People, when they, when they read this text, I, I was in a study in another country with a group of people sitting down talking about this very section of 1 Corinthians 12 and a, and a little bit of a Bible study. They didn't keep their finger on the text, I'll tell you that. Now, they were working in, in Albanian and I was in English, but, but I will say this. They were just saying good things, true things from all over the, the New Testament and around this passage. But I'm going to ask you to try to help me keep my finger, your finger, on the text that's before us today. Just to see part of what Paul has to say about this spectacular church. By the, spectac- by the way, this spectacular church is made up of who? Uh, Jews and Gentiles. Um, rich and poor, slave and free, male, and we could add to our list, I think, male and female, right? Or we could say young and old, or we could say those who've been around forever and those who are just coming through the doors. We, we, we could describe this, this body in a lot of different ways, but that's, that's a picture, at least, of who they were, so Paul would say in our passage. So beginning with verse 12, he reminds us that the spectacular church is not made up of superstars or spectators, but rather players. And here it is very simply. This is a very simple message today with some application. But we are all players in the body of Christ, the one body of Christ. In fact, what I'd like you to see, if I could just point this out for a moment this morning, is that Paul seems to pick up on an Old Testament pattern of, of teaching here uh, where he makes a statement, then he makes a second statement that flows out of the first. He makes that same, same second statement again, and then he comes back to the first statement. So in, in uh, just a simple way, it would be A, then B, then B, then A. And the A is one body, the B is many parts, it's really simple, the B is many parts, the A is one body. And that's what you'll see, verse 12, and then beginning with verse 14. Verse 12 and 13, he talks about being one body. Verses 14 and following, he talks about the many parts. That he says it again in a different way, that we're many parts. And then he concludes, verse 21 to the end, that we are one body. And that's there. Now we can all go home. Well, we're almost, we're almost ready to. But, but it's kind of fun to see the... Sometimes I read the writings of Paul and I think, wow, that is a long sentence and I can't quite figure out what he's saying, but this one I kind of think I got. I, I really do. So we find that he describes us as one body, many parts. He goes on to talk about spiritual gifts, a lot of information there about spiritual gifts. Some people have the gift of being a prophet, and some the teachers, and then there's this discussion that you all have fun with, because I won't be around to take care of it, but these amazing sign gifts and what that means. Um, I always love passing the buck to somebody else, so I, I get to do that. But there's this metaphor, this wonderful metaphor. In verse 15, he talks about the parts, that foot and the hand and the ear and the eye. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get to see this or not, but if, if we can, let's switch to it right now. But there's a little girl. She's sitting on a bed in a hospital, or maybe it's, yeah, I think it's really in the hospital in California. She's now a young woman, but she did this uh, little advertisement for uh, a hospital 
And let's see if it'll play. You're doing really good. It's going to work. See if you know this song. It's going to revolutionize your understanding of the Word of God. That's a little Naomi Tharp, um, but she'd probably be embarrassed that I'm still using that. I actually have only used it once before, and it didn't work where I tried it, so thank you guys. I, I just want you to remember something today. There are all these parts that are a part of the whole, and you're one of them. Y'all looking this way? You, back row, young people, children, front row. Second row, I'm looking at you too. But the kids, they oftentimes think, well, that's for the old folks. And then what did the old folks say? Oh, that's for the young folks. Now, this is for every single one of us in this room. So let me just give you a couple of applications and then we'll be done today. Here's what I believe. If we're to be the spectacular church that God intended us to be and you here in this wonderful family of faith, just two things. Number one, let's renew our commitment to be what we are, his body. Okay, that's the, that's the heart of this. Let's renew our commitment to be what we are by the reconciled, reconciling work of Christ. And if you want to underline a word, which I would suggest you to do, underline the word his. It's his body. So uh, what I want you to remember is that you, as a church, belong to him. You belong to him. Now, years ago, when Charlotte and I were uh, in our, uh, can't believe it, in our 20s, uh, we went to a church where the pastor had been there for 10 years, which is a, is a lot shorter than what you're coming into here, Jim. So well, the pastor is here a lot longer than that here. But when we went there, uh, the church had grown from a little church to about 450 people and I was 28 years old, and I don't know why they ever called me to be their pastor, but they did. But for the next uh, 15 years, we, we were there 17 years, at least for the next 15 years, I heard that I was the pastor of Dave's church. I won't say his last name. You'll look it up. It was always Dave's church. So you may hear this a while. Oh, you're the pastor of Chris's church, all right? Just want you to know. Now, Dave nor Chris ever said that, by the way. And we, we kind of joke, I joke about it a lot. It didn't hurt me. I just got a kick out of it. Uh, you know, I was there longer than he was. It was still Dave's church. Uh, what I want you to remember is this wasn't Dave's. It's not Chris's. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. It's his, Christ's church. And that's what Paul is going to belabor that in, in just a matter of words, but verse 12, but just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with, now here it is, Christ, 
And then it's the Spirit of God in verse 13. One Spirit in which we are baptized into one body. He describes that. And then you go to the very end of the passage again. You'll find that he says the same kind of thing in verses 27 and 28. That we belong to Christ. We are all His. It's His church. It's His church. You want something to brag about? Just brag about this. You belong to Christ's church. You belong to His church. His body. So that's number one. That's number, number two is... Because it is his, he gets to do. He ma- he gets to make the decisions. He gets to arrange things. In fact, that's what our 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 text tells us as well in verse 18. Just take a quick look at it, and we'll move along. But verse 18, he says, um, "But as but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose." Is there any any discussion at all about? about what God has done and what God does in the local church. He arranges. It's a very interesting kind of word that means that God brings people to a place and he assigns a duty, a duty to each member of his body. That's what that little word arrange means. So whose body is it? It's Christ. Who decides what the members of the body do? It is Christ, God. God makes all of those decisions. Sometimes, by the way, let's be very, let's understand this. He'll, he'll arrange to have a little committee meeting. He will. And committees will make decisions so it seems. Sometimes the whole church gets together and votes. I don't know what it's like for you when you all vote, but it got really pedantic for me for a while when we were in that church in Wisconsin. I remember one time I, I didn't know a whole lot about church governance and how it worked, but we were voting as a whole church whether or not to buy new coffee pots. I'm not talking the big ones. I'm just talking the little ones. You know, and I'm going to serve coffee at, at, at a church function, and, and we had a we had a discussion of that of the whole church, and I thought, well, maybe we could make that decision someplace else, but no, that's the way we were going to do it. So I I know some of that happens, and sometimes some of you will just go, oh boy, what are we doing? No, no, just remember, still, even in that, God's hand is involved. Here's the question. Here's the question. Are we listening? If God makes these decisions, if God is arranging. Does he do it in such a way that we don't know he's doing? I don't think so. I think we ought to rejoice in what he's doing. And the way, for that, the way that works for us is when we begin to listen. Not just begin, continue to listen to God. So the question is, are we listening? Are you, I think you have been. I think you called a pastor. A pastor's been listening. There's been this, uh, this conversation between people that really is the result of people listening to God. Sometimes... I know we can say, well, I can handle this. I mean, I know how to do this. I've been preaching for, well, close to 50 years. I've been preaching for a long time. I can do that. No, 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 no. We listen. We listen to God. Every church has, you know this. I don't know who it is here, by the way. I haven't been here that many times. I call them classic controllers. There are people who just seem to sit in the back. There's no smoke in the room. There's no cigars and cigarettes and all that stuff. There's no. There was once at a deacon meeting in the church that I last pastored, but before my time, a revolver sitting at the deacon's table. I was told that it's in the minutes of it. But remember, that church is 140 years old now. So. In California, where would you expect to have a... Re- well, Tennessee would have a revolver too, I think. But I, I just want you to know those kinds of things will happen and there will be people at times who seem to have more influence and more voice. I still want you to know, as a member of this family of faith, just stop and listen, pray, and listen to see what God has got for you 
in the place that He has put you. It is His church. He arranges it. Listen. That's one. Number two, celebrate the uniqueness of each participant, starting with yourself. But celebrate the uniqueness of each participant. That's the message of verse 14 through the end of our text today. I want you to remember a couple of things. Number one, you count. You count. The body consists of all part, all kinds of parts. You'd be surprised. There are more parts than you would think and imagine. But they're all important, even in the church. Hands and shoulders. Well, head and shoulders. Well, he's the head. We know that. There's hands and there's feet and there's eyes and there's ears. And some of them are more visible, Paul says in this text, and some more honorable, as we would say in, in, in from this text. And some have a large presence. And some, however, are just, they're there to help make pivotal connections within the body of Christ. But I just want you to know, listen, every single one of you, no matter who you are, how long you've known Christ, how long you've been here in the church, you count, you count. And here's why you count. Because you have a part to play. You have a part to play. You have something to do that nobody else can do, at least not in the way that you do it. If you go back to verses 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, Paul's going to say there are all these varieties, 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 varieties. He says it four times, and then he says, verse 7, there's manifestations. I mean, this is a complex thing. Whether you say, well, there's not that many of us. I don't care how many of there are, are in the local church. It's still complex. It's still filled with all kinds of varieties and variations. And yet, you as an individual, you really count. I don't think I've told you the story, but uh, a while back, well, way back, I hurt my hip playing the game of soccer when I was in my, well, I wasn't even 20 yet, so it's a long time ago, yeah. Um, and every once in a while, that thing kicks up. And I went and saw the doctor, my, my regular intern doctor, and I said, uh, you think anybody could look at this thing again? It's driving me kind of crazy. He said, yeah, Medicare will pay for that. So I said, okay, I'll go. So off to Medicare I went, to the hospital, the doctor. And pretty soon I found out that there's a muscle that I never knew about. It's called the piriformis. If you don't know what the piriformis is, it's not a very big muscle at all. But I will tell you this, it's one of six muscles in the lateral rotator group. You know what that is? I don't know what that is either. But it's there, and I know where it is because they've described it, and they pushed on it. And I say, I, I understand. I never thought, I didn't know it was there. It wasn't important to me. Now I want you to know that muscle is very, very significant to me. And when there are things going on in the life of the church, there are things, there are people, and it might be you, you are far more significant to the health and the, and, and the well-being of this church than you might ever know. So, you count, you count. And therefore, let us celebrate let us celebrate. So Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul, uh, that, 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 that God, or that Paul gloried over the believers. In Hebrews chapter 10, you know the passage, we're called to stir up one another to good deeds. We're going we're gonna to encourage one another. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 about this amazing church. Wow, it's just this little church in Thessalonica, but they're like a sounding board throughout all Macedonia. It's really cool stuff that's going on. I mean, we get all, I get all excited. Our son and daughter-in-law are in the process of taking a foster little boy who's now two, and pretty soon he's 
we, we believe he'll become a part of their permanent family. He, he was over last night. Uh, uh, you know, they, they celebrate things that I forgot we celebrate. Like, you know, if, if he doesn't throw the food, we celebrate that. If, <laughs> if he sits on a little potty, we celebrate that, you know. Um, when he gets to be four or five, maybe we'll celebrate that he puts his plate, plastic plate, of course, in the sink, uh, something like that. We, we cheer about those silly little... Well, why don't we do that in the church? You know, not with baby, little physical babies, but with the body of Christ. Some are new, some are old, and they've been renewed and revived. And I just love to get excited about it. I really do. Three weeks ago, I guess it's been now, Charlotte, you and I, we went back to the church that I first pastored in the middle of the state of Maine. I'm ta- I'm ta- we, we helped plant that church. And we went and visited these people who were just about 90 years old. They were young people when we were there, but fairly young. And Vi was there. And we sat with this couple, and we, we remembered the past. Uh, uh, um, I, I affectionately referred to Vi Hayden as Sarge. Uh, I, I did when I was, was the pastor of the church, because if Vi was going to do something, it was going to get done. And it was going to get done right. And she, she took care of all of our Sunday school, all of our little kids' programs. She was, she was a strong woman, an amazing woman. And I just sat with her, Charlotte, with her and her husband. They barely can get around, barely. And we remembered. We remembered the part that they played in our lives, in our little church. We celebrated parts of the body of Christ. May I encourage you to do the same in the life of this church. Celebrate what God is doing. So I just have one more word for you today because you're a part of the spectacular church. As one body, you are all in this together. So play your part. Play your part. Um, I don't, just so you know, Jim, I don't usually bring uh, videos, uh, right? Or, uh, or certainly not object lessons. But I got an object lesson too, so <laughs> let's see if I can do this without, can you, can you all see this? This is a real expensive Chinese-made puzzle. cost me $7.00 on Amazon. I think there are 14 pieces to it. It's not a real big puzzle. And I think if I dumped them over, I could put them back in place. But that's because I practiced. I will admit that. But they're all different shapes. Uh, By the way, each, each shape is a color. It's not all those little things, but each of those pieces, 14 pieces. Here's the amazing part about this puzzle. See, it all fits together perfectly, right? Do you know there's 12 different ways this puzzle can be put together? 12 different ways. And um, so when I think about the church, I think, well, we don't have to do it one way, but we have to do it as one. We don't have to do it the way we've always done it, but we have to do it as one. Uh, We might think this is the only way, because this is the only way I know how to put the puzzle back together. But it's not. We must do it 
as one. So be the church, play the part. Know that you'll have to struggle at times. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, for this I toil, struggling with all. It's a, a lovely picture. I struggle. But then he adds this, with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. That's the only way it works. I'd like to say, you know, if you just work hard enough, the church will, the church will be the church God wants to be. That, that's not true. That's a false teaching of many churches, I think. Just work harder. It, it has to be his energy. It has to be his provision. It has to be what God who arranges us together wants us to do. And then the marvelous thing is let him do it through you. You say, well, I don't think I could do that. I'm really not an important part of the church. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. In a little book uh, by John Piper called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. This is written to pastors, but it'll fit. It'll fit. He said the difference between Uncle Sam and Jesus Christ is that Uncle Sam won't enlist you in his service unless you are healthy. And Jesus won't enlist you, enlist you unless you are sick. What is God looking for in the world? Assistance? No. The gospel is not a help-wanted ad. It's a help-available ad. God is not looking for people to work for Him, but people who let Him, and this is the key, people that let Him work mightily in and through them. That's the church. So be the church together it's the power of the insignificant let's pray I, I just as we pray would you pray in your own heart mind lord what if you don't know lord what part do you have for me now, the church hasn't asked me to do anything in particular or they've asked me to do a dozen things and i can't do them all what is it that you have for me lord who is it that you'd have me talk with who is it that might understand where i'm at in my life god i just pray for this spectacular church i pray lord together with my brothers and sisters whom we have come to know and love that you are beginning to do something different new built upon a foundation that is rich in a community that needs Christ. Oh God, I pray, however you would, speak to the hearts of every one of us in this room that we might know, that we might remember, that we might be committed to who you are, the Lord of our life, of the church, and that we play a part through your strength, by your spirit, for the glory of God and his kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.